This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Dr. Ishna Sharma, current bariatric, metabolic, and minimally invasive surgery fellow at Mayo Clinic's Rochester campus. Obesity has become a significant public health crisis in both the U.S. and around the world. Globally, over 1.9 million people are overweight, and 650 million people are obese. In the U.S., almost 40% of the adult population is obese. Obesity leads to hypertension, hyperlipidemia, coronary artery disease, diabetes, sleep apnea, and even certain cancers. Outside of the morbidity and mortality associated with this, obesity also leads to almost $200 billion annually in healthcare costs. Obesity is a complex medical disease, and one of the first settings a patient may receive diagnosis and treatment of this disease is at the primary care provider's office. This episode is the first episode in our obesity edition focused on how a primary care provider or PCP can help an obese adult patient who visits them in clinic. This episode will concentrate on the basics, how to approach the conversation with the patient, how to guide their next steps, and how to continue caring for an obese patient once they are underway in their management. Today, we're joined by Dr. Mira Shah, a Mayo Clinic endocrinologist specializing in obesity, who will help guide us in answering these questions and more. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Shah. Thank you, Dr. Sharma. I'm happy to be here. We're so excited to have you. Obesity is a very sensitive topic, even when a patient is there to discuss it. But in your practice, how often do you have discussions with patients when they're not there specifically for their obesity and you are in the position where you want to bring it up and talk about it with them? I have a very specialized practice in obesity medicine. And so the people who come to see me know that's what they're there to see me for. But this is a question I often get from people who don't have that luxury. And I call it a luxury because when patients are ready to talk about it, so much more can be done versus somebody who's coming in for something seemingly unrelated. And yet I, as a primary care provider, might believe, might think it's actually quite important to address their obesity. How do we start the conversation when somebody comes in and and that's not the intention and that's not the primary intention? The first thing I would say is ask for permission. I think that's the really the first thing that I encourage trainees in particular to do when they're trying to open up that conversation about weight and weight management is firstly, just ask the patient, is it okay if we spend a little bit of time talking about your weight? Because I'm, I'm concerned about how this might be affecting your health. And so that's, that's the other point is tying the weight story or the weight conversation with their health and sort of making those two things very much interlinked is important. And be respectful of the answer. I think some patients are going to say no. And and if they say no, you say, well, that's okay. Thanks for considering it maybe next time. But if they say yes, that really does open up an opportunity to have some meaningful conversations. Yeah, it's a sensitive topic, as you say. A lot of patients come in with not so great experiences in healthcare settings when it comes to talking about weight or obesity or weight management or weight loss. And so I think just being mindful of where the patient has come from is important. Asking for permission is important. And then just respecting their decision, whether they want to talk about it or not. And then if you do get the permission, and, and so they're, they're saying that they're receptive to the conversation, um, what would be kind of your next steps in guiding that? I think it's from the provider perspective, it's important to say why it's something you want to bring up. So often I make the link again to their diabetes, or I might make a link to their sleep apnea, or or even some things that are maybe less well-recognized by patients like atrial fibrillation, for example, or even their kidney disease. You know, this could be related to their obesity. And so making that link between health and their obesity is important. So the why of the conversation I often start by asking patients what their goals are. 
and that can bring up a whole bunch of different answers. Sometimes patients have a numbers goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Sometimes patients have a more sort of functional goal in mind. Sometimes patients say, you know, I don't even know what to think about this. I've, I've been doing this for X many years. I, I just don't know. So starting with their goals and objectives can sort of give you an idea of what they might be interested in. And then, you know, as a medical provider, your role is to understand, well, how much of a weight loss is really going to be meaningful to this patient clinically in terms of health improvement? And you can then kind of counter their goal with what you might think is important and then mm -hmm. sort of, you know, carry on the conversation from there. In my practice, again, I see patients primarily for this condition and I have 45 minutes to talk to them about this. Again, I'll call it a luxury. It, it is a real luxury. But in the primary care office, there isn't that kind of time. Setting goals, making one or two things, ultimately things to work on by the end of that conversation is, is as much as you can expect and as much as is realistic for mm -hmm. the patient, but always making sure that that's not a one-off conversation, that you're going to come back to it, that it's worthy of follow-up, it's worthy of changing course if necessary. These are some of the sort of big, I think the big things to, to highlight to your patient who's interested, who's, who's sort of indicated they're interested. Now that makes a lot of sense to have an individualized, tailored approach to the patient that's in front of you that you're working with. And then as you mentioned, PCPs sometimes don't have the luxury of the full obesity management, and that's why we have such great specialists. So in a PCP's office, if appreciated that the patient is receptive, are there some resources or at what point does it become now I need to refer versus I can continue managing this in our, in our continued visits? Or are there maybe outside of physician or provider resources that could be helpful as well? I think it starts off by setting what the expectations are for the patient. In other words, patient might come in, and this is a scenario that we encounter all the time, patients come in thinking they have to lose 50 pounds, 100 pounds for them to feel better, be healthier. And one of the things that I often hear from patients when I tell them, actually, we're going to start with a 5% weight loss, and we're going to take three to six months to achieve that. And when you break it down like that, suddenly it's become something that is achievable and it's realistic for the patient. And again, I emphasize that I'm not just making these numbers up. These are numbers that have been shown to be clinically meaningful in terms of your health and health improvement. Your question was, when do we think about referring? It's really once you've tried already to counsel your patients on, on what you all know is, is going to be the cornerstones of weight management, which is dietary modification, calorie restriction. I always tell patients to consider tracking their food intake or journaling because I think that always adds value. And I would give it a good three to six months of what we consider these sort of lifestyle modifications before thinking about the next step. I always think a, a dietary review or a dietitian visit is important. Patients mm -hmm. aren't always enthusiastic, uh, let's say, about visiting with a dietitian, particularly if they've already met with dietitians in the past. But I think if it's it's been a little while, that would be certainly something I would do first and, and do very early in the, in the management strategy. And then after mm -hmm. about three to six months, if you're not quite seeing the response of 5% weight loss, or if the patient is really trying their very best, but are still struggling with things like hunger and cravings, then that might suggest that they need something more, possibly a medication to control those appetite regulating hormones or, or even something more than medications. Right, right. 
that makes a lot of sense to kind of try to make it a more achievable bite-sized goal as you're working towards the, the bigger yeah. goal of getting healthy. In terms of the complications, you touched on it earlier that there are some lesser known ones, but what in general do you, does maybe a PCP who's working very quickly to, to take care of a lot of patients, are, are there things that we may be missing and considering for specifically an obese patient? I think broadly, I think about complications from obesity in terms of metabolic complications and, and mechanical complications. So under the metabolic complications, there are well-known ones like type 2 diabetes, uh, dyslipidemia, let's throw in hypertension in there as well. But fatty liver disease is another one that's very common in this particular population, and it's fast becoming one of the leading causes of chronic liver disease. So I think patients, again, aren't always aware that their liver disease might be related to their obesity. Sleep apnea is, from the mechanical side of things, sleep apnea is a big one. It's surprising how many patients are not screened for sleep apnea, while we know that having untreated sleep apnea can affect their weight loss efforts. I mentioned atrial fibrillation and chronic kidney disease. Those are some of the lesser known ones. And then mental health is another big one. It's kind of difficult to put mental health into a neat bucket, but a lot of patients have mood disorders, which, and whether the treatment of the mood disorder affects their weight loss efforts, meaning the medicines that they use for mood disorders, or just the mood dis disorder itself can affect motivation and how they feel about doing things. So, so that's another one to uncover and, and also address if, if that's an active problem. In your practice as an obesity specialist, I myself, I think we've all kind of in some ways struggled with weight. And I know I've tried all different kinds of diets or health routines or things like that. Do yeah. you find a, a pattern in patients that, that have come to you that tried certain things or, or there's certain kind of things that, that do tend to work for people or maybe that don't tend to work for people from a lifestyle exercise modification perspective? That's a great question. And, and it's interesting. There are some patterns that emerge after you've sort of been doing this for a little while. And one of the things we commonly see is an all or nothing type of approach to weight management. What that means is the patient will tell you, you know, I, for three months, all I did was count calories and I went to the gym every day and I consistently lost weight and was feeling great. And then I got on the scale one day and I saw my weight went up. And that was such a disappointment. I was so discouraged. And then I thought, why am I doing all of this? And so I stopped. So that all or nothing approach is incredibly common. And, and I'll say that we see this in particularly high functioning individuals where the all or nothing approach can work beautifully for lots of different things. But when it comes to weight management, which is a chronic disease, and I think that's the other thing to just emphasize, this is not going to be something that is fixed in three months or six months. But we give ourselves those small timelines to work within because we have to work towards these intermediate goals before we get to the eventual goal. So I often tell my patients that you have all the skill sets that are necessary to make this successful, but how you think about this, how you pace this, where you get your accountability from, who supports you, what else we do, these are the things that are going to ultimately make a, a difference in terms of how well this works for you. So all or nothing thinking is something that we see a lot. When I see it, I call it out to the patient. I make sure they recognize it and I tell them this is great for everything else, but it's not good for this. It's the other thing that we often see is a lot of weight cycling. So patients who can gain and lose 50 pounds with every attempt at weight loss, and then they regain the weight, maybe a little more than what they lost. And then the cycle repeats itself. Again, as humans, and in particularly, I think in the society we live in, we want 
quick results. We want things now. Again, I know it's one of those things I talk to my patients about, which is it's great for everything else, but when it comes to weight and just the metabolic changes and some of your body composition changes that happens when you have this big changes in weight, every subsequent time you do this, it becomes more difficult and you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So it's okay to slow down. It's okay to accept a, a lesser maybe pace of weight loss if it means it's going to be more sustainable. I'll tell you that I can't think of a single patient who came into my office saying, I didn't know that I had to eat differently and move more, meaning it's not a knowledge deficit, right? It's, it's almost never a knowledge deficit, but it is about how, how do I implement this? How do I make this sustainable? How do I do it in a way that I can continue to see results? I tell patients weight plateaus are common and normal and don't get discouraged. So, so it's a lot of it is sort of also anticipating the future, telling them like, this is normal biology. This is going to happen. Stick with it. You'll be okay. It'll move. So see, these are some of the patterns I see when I counsel patients on weight and weight management. And, and sometimes just depending on, you know, how far along that journey they've come and how many experiences they've had, that sort of then guides me to, well, this is somebody who is ready for step two, step three, you know, whatever the next step might be. Right, right, right. No, that's interesting. You have to to kind of see what they've come with and kind of what they're telling you with their own history. Because like you said, it's not a surprise to them that they need to lose weight to be healthy, but it's how to get them there. So you've already kind of touched on some of the challenges in caring for an obese patient. From a PCP's perspective, what are some kind of other big challenges that they might face in, in caring for these patients? One of the things that many patients with obesity live with on a daily basis is, is stigma about the condition. And even within the healthcare field, there's a lot of stigma about patients who have obesity. And so one of the things that I think we as providers can just help reinforce to patients is it's, this is not a moral failing, this is a disease. And the more we call it a disease, the more likely we are to have the bite of our patients when it comes to some of the counseling we're doing. This is an effort from the whole community. This is an effort from even society at large, judging patients with obesity or making assumptions about their character or, or their lack of willpower, whatever it is that patients with obesity, you know, some of the feelings that patients with obesity can evoke. When the primary care provider is aware that these patients are coming in with lots of lived experiences, and particularly when it relates to, to stigma of having obesity, then they can become a little bit more compassionate, acknowledging the fact that we know this exists and we know that it's hard to talk about weight and weight management when so many unrelated things seem to be blamed on weight. We're trying to change that culture. We're trying to gain more acceptance, let's say, that obesity is a disease. The more we do that, the more I think we'll be able to have those good conversations with patients where we can really make headway into their health and health improvement. One of the nice things recently is the fact that a lot of our weight loss medicines have been tested and shown to be incredibly effective. And I actually use that example with a lot of my trainees of look what happens when you give the patient a placebo versus when you give them the active drug. Why do you think they do so much better on the active drug? It's because it's changing the biology of this disease, whereas the placebo isn't. I think just illustrates the fact that this is a disease and that the treatments that we offer are designed to change the biology of the disease. I think we're getting there. It's slow. But the more we accept that this is a disease and call it a disease, the more we are, I think, going to be able to help patients and, and get them what they need for overall improvement in their health. 
That's definitely a real takeaway message from this podcast and, and in general for obesity specialists is to start and continue thinking of obesity as a disease. And that's a good way for a PCP to, to also kind of phrase it when they're talking about it with a patient. This has been such a great discussion of how to approach a patient who comes to a PCP with obesity. Dr. Shah, from our conversation today, what would be some kind of summarizing takeaway or learning points for a PCP? I would say don't be afraid to approach the conversation about weight and weight management, but ask for permission from your patient and, and frame it around their health and frame it around the health improvement. I think especially if you have a good relationship with your patient and have a very a clear intention about why you're bringing up their weight and why weight loss is important, uh, you, you might be able to get buy-in from your patient. I think it's important to set expectations with your patient up front in terms of what's a clinically meaningful amount of weight loss. And I think it's also important to tell the patient, this is not just about eating less and moving more. This is much more complex than that. And we now have so many more tools than we had even five years ago that can help patients with obesity lead healthier and more productive lives, which is ultimately what we want for our patients. So those would probably be the big, I think, the big takeaways. Don't forget to call it a disease and let your patient know this is a disease, just like asthma is a disease and diabetes is a disease. And, you know, we don't blame patients for having these diseases. So why should we do the same with obesity? I think as a healthcare community, we can certainly do better and do our part. Those would probably be the, the, the takeaways, I would say. That's a great message. And the remaining part of this obesity series that will continue through the next couple of episodes is going to look more at those tools, like you're mentioning, for all the various multidisciplinary ways we can manage this disease. We've been talking about obesity with Dr. Mira Shah. Thank you for your time, Dr. Shah. Thank you so much, Dr. Sharma. If you have enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please follow us as we continue our special series on obesity. If you would like to earn CME credit for this obesity-related series or other Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please visit ce.mayo.edu. Thank you for listening and tune in next time as we learn more together.